Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Catch new episodes of The O Show for free, available on all audio platforms, including Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. For full video versions of the podcast, head on over to YouTube and StarWorldWideNetworks.com. The O Show is presented by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. Mayweather Boxing and Fitness is an inclusive, high-intensity fitness experience developed by the champ Floyd Money Mayweather himself. The best group boxing workout in the market, Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of The O Show Podcast, episode 392, presented by... Mayweather Boxing and Fitness in Scottsdale, Arizona. Coming soon, just a few months away. It offers an authentic experience for those who want to learn from Floyd Money Mayweather's techniques and training regimens while getting in the best shape of their lives in a high-intensity group fitness setting. Again, they open construction on July 9th. It's coming soon here in the heart of Scottsdale, Arizona. Our guest today knows a little something about fitness. Former pro baseball player, owns his own gym out in Southern California now, Logan Gelbrick. Welcome to the program man thanks for having me on it's cool to see uh working with mayweather boxing i got uh my my boy james is over there helping those guys out really so, yeah wow so when, world. when did you obviously playing in, in your playing days a professional baseball player in your own right go, going through the system and now owning your own gym fitness obviously a big factor in your life are do you train these days more of just like personal you know, satisfaction, personal fitness, as opposed to just like trying to accomplish some goal when you, it was your playing days as a pro baseball player. Yeah. I, I don't identify as an athlete really, yeah. uh, you know, in that way, but I do train pretty classic strength and conditioning. There you are. Yeah. Uh, classic kind of strength and conditioning, uh, just for a better life really at that, at that point. Um, I have had some stints, competing and exposure to other things. You know, there's an obscure strength sport called strongman that, uh, I've, you know, taught in, yeah, the Atlas stones and things like that. <laughs> um, dabbling in jujitsu, but yeah, it's just a lifestyle thing these days, kind of just working out for health and wellness really. I mean, I feel like you have to delve into a completely different, you know, world when you're going through some of those competitions like that. Like you really have to find the intensity and the the why per se to want to do those things. Yeah. And, you know, I spent a good 20 years of my life with a very specific goal uh, and connection to, to baseball. And so I think that anything that feels less committed than that it's just an interesting juxtaposition you know i just felt like a hobby more than anything so growing up in southern california with the baseball background like you obviously when you have your mind set on something from what i've seen you know in videos you know you're in it you know two feet in head first you're going all the way when it came to baseball did you know right off the bat this is what i want to pursue and only this when you were a young kid playing yeah i feel very fortunate to have an experience that much younger than most of my peers, I was very clear about what it is that I wanted to do. You know, I think uh, I have a very distinct memory at being like single digit age, like eight or nine, having a pretty serious conversation with my dad about what I wanted to be when I grew up. So, yeah, I think that really informed my behavior. You know, it really informed in some way everything that I did. And uh, I think my hope is that any you know anyone could find a, a connection to something like I found with baseball because it, it can just teach you so much 
to commit to something like that. Um, and that's separate of it needing to be anything athletic or anything that is recognized by someone else as important. But yeah, if you could find something that you believe in and you can commit to, you can kind of really learn a lot about yourself. Did you play anything else in high school? Let's see. By the time I got to high school, I was uh, playing baseball only. But yeah, at a younger age, I played a little bit of basketball and, uh, you know, flag football, things like that. But nothing serious. I mean, at a pretty young age, I was all in. Yeah, I mean, it's a high-discipline sport for sure. I mean, all sports are. You look at football, hockey, basketball, obviously the conditioning that it takes. But baseball, you know... If you are fortunate enough to get to that highest level, that dream goal of playing in the big leagues, that's 162-plus games if you're adding in postseason, spring training for those six weeks prior. Like, it is a grind. You know, coming from someone who never played at all, you know, like you actually um, played in professional baseball. Like, there, there had to be times during all of that where it was just like, is this even worth it? And you really had to, like, dig down deep to find that passion again when, you know, you didn't quite have – that wire and have that grit to keep going. Yeah. I mean, luckily there's almost like a self selecting journey, Yeah, you know, like if you accumulate the time under tension, so to speak, the time in the craft to earn your way into, you know, let's say uh, an upper level division one collegiate program or professional baseball, like, no one arrives in those locker rooms with a mild interest in this. And so you've sort of banked a lot of commitment. You've, you've banked a, a large body of deep work. It's like what I call it, you know, and uh, that in and of itself is like an insurance policy against adversity. You know, uh, you can tolerate a lot more long bus rides, failure, whatever the case may be, you know, and what taught you that? Because, again, like not everybody sees that, even when you're 30, 40, 50 years old. Like some people still go through life like thinking, like, ah, oh, do we really have to be here? Or, like, man, this sucks, doesn't it? But, like, when you flip your attitude like that, everything changes. At, at what age and what type of experiences did you have, whether it was playing baseball or personal stuff, that happened in your life that kind of formed that mentality for you early on? Because, obviously, it's working out for you. Yeah, I mean, we, the way I say it is we need a, a context uh, to create meaning, you know, we are human beings are mean making creatures. And, uh, we decide very peculiar things have a great deal of meaning in the United States of America. I am a person that like millions of other kids decided that a weird game where you chase around a leather ball on a diamond shaped field has a great deal of meaning. So much meaning that you will endure a great deal of hardship and log, you know, many, many, many hours of work and all of these things. And so what the thing is matters much less than uh, deciding what for you matters and then sort of working towards that in a way that would teach you all of those things. And so I can see from this chair, looking back that baseball doesn't matter, you know, it didn't matter that it was that but I decided that it mattered. And when you care that much about something, you have to commit to it. Your commitment cannot be fragile because you're continually choosing more and more difficult environments, you know? And so it, it sort of solves it for itself, but you're right. Many people live an entire life in avoidance of that. 
And so, of course, every meeting feels stupid and every form you fill out feels redundant or whatever, but that's maybe no way to live your life. No, not at all. And I think I heard you talking at your uh, alma mater high school about that, you know, like developing those leadership skills to not just, you know, control your own life, but at the same time use that to help others, inspire others. And, you know, you're talking about, you know, kids just having that mentality of just like, oh, I got to do this again today. Like you get to do it in a way. And if it sucks, it sucks, but at least you're going through that suckiness to get to where you eventually want to be. And I think you see that a lot in kids who don't know what they want, because I feel like you at a young age knew what you wanted. Like you said, you had a sit-down conversation with your dad. You knew what you wanted. I knew what I wanted. I still know what I want as a young 22-year-old kid trying to make it in this industry. But like you, I feel like you have to have a certain thing that you're striving for in order to develop that mentality because you got to get knocked down over and over and over again to finally have that mentality that says i got zero f's to give now like bring it on yeah without without a, a reason to learn those lessons unfortunately it takes like tragedy and adversity to to develop yourself you know like you you just need to experience something that happens to you and that's just a really passive way about going through life, you know, if you can opt in to difficult environments, you know, and it's not always sports or not always whatever, but if you can opt into that, like you yourself are probably learning a lot and growing as an individual championing the show because it, it by its own nature, is going to introduce you to the, the difficulties that, that grow us and stretch us. I mean, you, you talked about the, the video of me, like addressing my alma mater, you know, um, Group dynamics are interesting because I would argue that even though most high schools are like my high school, where the coolest thing to do is to complain about how uncool your high school is, I'll tell you this. I'll venture to bet that no high schooler wishes that high school sucked. Yep. And so the reason why I was speaking to them in that way was there's sort of like two camps, you know. Unfortunately, the most popular one is we lock arms with people that help us feel less poorly about where we are and what we're doing, you know. And it's like a complainer culture. We kind of lock arms in this like downward spiral. You know, yep. we help each other uh, suffer and yeah. complain. It's a, it's a negative thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but there is another community of people locking arms, and they actually don't even care what type of excellence you're there to pursue. You know, I, I've, I've known you for 13 minutes at this point, and there's a certain level of respect because I know what you're doing is intrinsically difficult, and it takes a great vulnerable effort to do that. And that's why I observe the different moments in time where I've been around people that are legends, like people I shouldn't even be lucky enough to be around, you know, people that are in whatever, the hall of fame of what they do. And I, you know, as a young person, I used to think those people hung out with one another because it was some sort of celebrity thing. Yeah. But I've, but I've seen it and it's not, it's a mutual respect thing because we are all trying to do something so hard and so vulnerable that I need to be around people like that to support how difficult this is. Right. And, and that's the good news. And that's what I was trying to articulate to that high school. Right. Is that not a single person here wants this to be lame. 
but you relinquish responsibility if you kind of just say, yeah, psh, this is so dumb, right? And sit back and, and, and not enroll in any leadership about that. But what those people really want is they want someone or some group of people to say, hey, you know what? It's okay for us to like try and make this cool. And I think once we have permission to do that, then we can, we can all kind of get what we want. There's just an incredible amount of fear it's yeah. weird how that mentality is formed, you know, globally around the universe. Like, it's almost cool to just back down and be like, uh, I remember, like, the key phrase that I went through in middle school was try hard. Like, oh, that kid's a try hard. Classic. And I remember yeah. my dad being like, yeah, that's how you get ahead in life. You try hard. That's the totally. stupidest effing thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, and kids do that because it, it lets them off the hook. Yeah. Adults do that, right? And, and, uh, it's, it's unfortunate, you know, and so it's one of those things where, you know, it's not my favorite truth, but I just observed that humans really want to be led, you know, and, and the way that things are sort of like stacked up is if we're not careful, we will relinquish responsibility and sort of like uh, throw up our hands and say, hey, you can't blame me. It's hard out here. And then we're just not engaged in what we're doing. You know, and so, I mean, anyway, long-winded way of saying I arbitrarily at eight years old decided baseball was the most important thing in the world, and I just ran towards it in a way that's just so heartbreaking and beautiful and hard and and rich in learning, all the things. Uh, but it doesn't work if you save some, you know. Yeah. You say, it's, okay, it's okay if I don't make it. You actually have to to give everything you have and like be willing to be heartbroken by it. You know? And then you take those experiences and then you keep growing. And I totally agree with, you know, the, the thinking of, you know, famous people hang out with famous people. Cause like that was, you know, the thing to do. Like if you want to be the best, you hang around the best, even if you're in completely different industries. Like if Kobe Bryant wanted to hang out with Taylor Swift, just to like get her insight on what makes her the best musician out there, you know, like everybody's learning, from everybody. It doesn't matter if it's the exact same thing you're doing. Like people like that will hang out with people that will help them grow mentally as well as, you know, like, okay, like she does that to do that. I'm going to do this to do this. Like it's inspiring to, you know, learn from different people about their experiences, even though they're completely different. And the traits that make Taylor Swift great at what she does are not that different yep. than what would be required of you or me or anybody else to do something at a high level. You know, it's kind of like controlling what I can control, you know, like developing, like being curious about how I can be better, you know, putting myself in a position to have success. And that's like a basketball conversation. It's a media conversation. It's a business conversation. And, uh, and yeah, I, I, I would just, I think the greatest gift that anyone can have is some sort of thing to care enough about to learn all the things that Taylor Swift learned and you're probably learning and I'm probably learning. Now, have you ever like surrounded yourself with someone who is still trying to figure out that thing that they want to pursue with their lives? Like whether, you know, they come through their gym or someone you've met along the way that just has like no idea what their future holds. Because again, like if you don't have that, it's very hard to find a reason to want to grind forward through tough times like that. 100%. And that's the most common situation, quite frankly. Um, I, I recognize that it's by sh- almost sheer luck 
I was very fortunate that at a young age I had some sort of North Star to go towards. That's not the norm. You know, I, I wrote a book several years ago on decision-making uh, in this vein that we're talking about now, and I'll tell you that I, I put together a, a watertight, logical justification for doing what we're saying, and the critique uh, that forced me to revisit that model was it needed the answer to the question that you just asked, which is, you know, I would speak about this decision-making model and people would say, yeah, I'm totally on board, but what if I don't know what my thing is? You know, and I think that the only actionable step in that way is to, uh, it sounds corny, but nurture curiosity. Yeah. And, the reason why adults specifically are very poor at curiosity is curiosity uh, assumes not knowing. It assumes that there is something uh, beyond us that is for us, you know. And uh, I think as we become sort of socialized adults, we we make assumptions just to use that word and an, and an assumption it's important to understand the the characteristics of it it's something that you've decided is true that the verdict has not come in yet you know and and there are so many assumptions about how life is and what you can and can't do or whatever that it's almost like as you get older the likelihood that your curiosity is uh, going to be present is just decreasing like every single day because we, we create these, these assumptions, you know, and, uh, luckily at age eight, I was like, yeah, of course I could play in the major leagues. Yep. You know, and, and our, our logic reasoning gets in the way of our ability to enroll in the things that might lead us to our best self, you know? It's kind of like 40 year olds, like most 40 year olds don't think that ceramics is a thing they can do. No. You know, I have, I have a student who is like, yeah, I think I'm selling my, I think I'm selling my technology company and I think I'm like going to start in ceramics. And I'm like, most people would never consider that that's a real thing. Yeah. But that's an un, an unhappy person who, yeah, he could be wrong, but may find, if you could find a thing that lights you up you know, 20 hours out of the day, there's a cascade of benefits that cannot be measured in that, you know. You're going to grow 10 times faster, too, as opposed to, again, someone who unfortunately doesn't have a specific thing that they're going towards. Eventually, you're going to have to get a job once you're 18, 21, 22 years old. Like, you have to get a job to support yourself, and you're not mm -hmm. doing something that you're passionate about, which will drain you exponentially, very quickly. Totally. And in a world where creating value, like asymmetric value, like yeah. something more valuable than another person could create, you're sort of going into life like taking a knife to a gunfight. You know, yep. it's just, and, and you know, I, I just to continue to, to recognize you and, and what you're doing, it's like, I know for a fact that your commitment to doing this particular thing is challenged and tested every day in ways that you probably couldn't tolerate in another expression of your life. Oh, yeah. You know, if you worked at the bank and you dealt with what you had to deal with last week or this month or this year, 
you'd be like, oh, I'm out of here, dude. And the intensity and focus in which you contribute to this is not something you could like act as if in something that you didn't care about. No. Right. And that there is extreme utilitarian value in that for yourself and anybody who comes into contact with you. I mean, it's literally just being curious. Like you talked about, you know, curiosity a little bit before. Like that's literally what this show is, me being curious enough to just ask people questions. I have no idea what I'm doing, but some way, somehow it's formulated into a a gig, a paid gig that I can do as opposed to, again, working at a bank or working in a cubicle, you know? So like people don't realize that that's out there. Because, again, like you were talking about, you know, some people think famous people are just famous people and I'm a normal person. I should be hanging out with normal people. Like that's not how it works. And for whatever reason, even with, you know, the X amount of content that's produced today, people just assume one thing and are like, all right, I'm limited to this when they don't really know what's out there for them. Totally. And that's another assumption. Most people assume that other people know what it is that they're doing. It's very vulnerable of you to say that you don't know what you're doing. And the fact that I, you know, like have some on paper success made up every single thing that I've done. I I have literally no idea how to do anything that I'm doing. And, and that isn't a normal assumption. Most people would observe and say, yeah, it'd be nice to do something like that. I just don't know how all the while not knowing that, Neither do you or I. Nope. <laughs> Not at all. I mean, Joe Rogan's the number one podcast in the world. I can guarantee you he had no idea what he was doing when he first started. Absolutely Still probably no doesn't know what types of questions he's asking to some philosophers and scientists that he has on, you know? It's just like being curious enough to ask questions that people wouldn't normally ask. You got to get out of your comfort zone and do something that someone might either, you know, laugh at you for or think like there's no way you could do that because you never know. 100%. A hundred percent. You never know. So when it came to writing the book, uh, I know that came out a few years ago, but was that because you were talking about, you know, earlier about asking some of those questions that I had brought up previously, was there a specific why you wanted to write it or was that always in the works for you? Or was it just like another project that kind of sparked your interest? Yeah, it's a book that I eventually, I got to a place where I had to write it. And the reason specifically that I've really done anything was some some level of dissatisfaction mm-hmm. quite frankly and uh the dissatisfaction here was an observation that i made when i got out of my like very short professional baseball career i sort of came into the quote-unquote real world where i just observed most adults were actively conceding their best expression of life like it was an active thing where they're putting themselves in a position to guarantee a lower expression of themselves. And to make matters worse, it wasn't just that it was, it came with this, this reasoning. Everybody spent so much time that I observed explaining why it is that unfortunately this is the way life goes. I got bills to pay. I got a mortgage. I got a family, whatever the case may be. Uh, all the while, that was juxtaposed against me uh, on paper arriving in the real world, quote unquote, real world, uh, with no work experience, technically in starting at ground zero, yeah, uh, with no real work skills. I mean, I was an educated person, but nothing about my future would involve hitting or throwing a baseball. 
And I felt looking around that this was just going to be a complete free for all. I felt like there would be no doubt about my ability to have success in an environment where people were unwilling to engage in their work in the way that I knew how. Yeah. And so, uh, I didn't yet know why, but I believe that to be so true that I wanted to reverse engineer essentially a logical argument for the pursuit of our peak expression. And that argument sort of ends. Uh, it's a model that rolls out these unique traits or these unique characteristics made available to those who pursue these peak expressions. The last of which is maybe the most important, which is that these skills and attributes are highly transferable, right? And so in theory, I was chasing like a bigger home run and more velocity on my throw. But in reality, the things that I, the adaptations that I experienced, the things that I learned along this journey would inform anything thereafter, entrepreneurship, uh, anything in any discipline. And in that way, it became the, the perfect closing to that argument because uh, what I'm proposing is that not only do you develop these characteristics along the way that you could not develop any other way, um, it doesn't even matter if you make it. Yeah. Right? Like technically I got as close as you could without being a rich and famous major league baseball player. Like I, I, I got, I spent like 20 minutes in double a, you know, and, and I, and that was it. So, so shouldn't that be, isn't that the worst nightmare, right? Isn't that the fear that we all have? Oh my gosh, what if I commit to this thing and it doesn't work out? That's the, the number one reason to never try, isn't it? Well, here I was saying, Oh, I, I don't care what it is. I can, win or have success specifically because I pursued that. And it's mutually exclusive of the, the outcome, right? Yeah. It was the, the, the way in which I moved through that goal that made achieving it almost redundant in terms of how it would inform my life going forward. Wow. And again, like that comes from, I feel like having that intuition to say those things because, again, you didn't exactly do what you thought you were going to do, right? You know, you had your cup of coffee in double A. That was it. Some people, you know, youngsters out there would look at that and be like, oh, wow, he just didn't accomplish his dream. Oh, well. But, like, you are now starting from experience as opposed to starting from scratch, right? Like, you had all of those experiences. You made a ton of connections, a ton of friendships, relationships that you've built off of. Like, you're an insanely you know, well-off, intelligent guy than you were when you started that journey, right? You know, as a kid wanting to be a pro baseball player. So, like, you had, you know, again, that intellect to know, like, all right, this stings, but now I'm able to pursue something else. Like, you had the the grit to pursue something else, and obviously fitness was one of those main goals because now you got the gym. You said it was, what, like 400 feet from the right to your house? Like, you're right yeah. there. <laughs> How yeah. how long have you been uh, the owner of the gym? How long has that been, you know, like a business for you? So the gym, uh, the original gym here, uh, there's three of them now. 
but the original gym, the one 400 feet away, uh, has been here in, in Venice for a little over eight years. Uh, but the entity itself just celebrated uh, t- its 10-year anniversary earlier this year. Oh, wow. Congrats. So, yeah, thanks. Yeah, so it's it's grown into a successful, you know, strength and conditioning training facility, like a brand in that way. Mm-hmm. But um, most of my work and maybe the unique differentiator, uh, kind of the noteworthy part of it, is that these businesses are an excuse to develop people, basically. We, uh, we aspire to or identify as what is called a deliberately developmental organization, meaning we have basically two bottom lines. One, we sell fitness and we make money doing it. And two is we develop the people inside of the organization. And so there's this very intense hiring process where like people from all around the world sort of like move through a process to have the chance to be hired here. And once you're inside of the organization, we basically are trying to understand your edges, your weaknesses, the areas in which you need to grow. Mm -hmm. And we use the fact that we're in business as a environment to develop in those ways. And so I end up doing that and also teaching entrepreneurs and leaders and consult folks on how to do that, how to build organizations like that. Now, in your expertise, you know, whether it be your own experiences or watching someone else go through stuff, do you feel like it's more important, and I guess this is more of an opinionated question, but do you think it's more important to focus on your strengths and continue to grow those or to focus on those weaknesses to strengthen those? Or is it a mixture of both? It's a great question. And it's a controversial one because people have made a lot of money talking about accentuating our strengths. Uh, I think the truest answer is in a truly developmental way, the answer is a yes and consideration. Anytime we try to reduce something into like an either or scenario, it is, is lacking integration. And so I won't really succumb to answering your question directly. Uh, it's only the weaknesses that matter and that we should ignore the strengths yeah. and vice versa. But I will say this. Uh, it is very um, uh, much a uh, faux pas to address weaknesses. It is in vogue to accentuate the strengths. And what this does is we tend to, in a disingenuous, developmentally weak way, um, ignore our weaknesses. Most Americans go to work doing two full-time jobs, the first job being their job and the second job being pretending they don't have any weaknesses and making it sure that it's, it seems as such. And what we know about the highest performing teams in the world is that, that this is not how they treat weaknesses. It's actually, there's actually incredible transparency on that. If you've ever been on a high performing team, sports are a great way to do it. The military is a great place for that. And then, you know, businesses that uh, are really under the gun of surviving, hopefully do this as well, which is that all of your teammates know your weaknesses. Sometimes in corporate America or low performance environments where performance isn't imperative, uh, there can be this group dynamic where we just ignore those facts and there's 
are these massive elephants in the room. But, you know, anyone who's on, like, your favorite football team is very aware of not just the strengths, but all the nuance of everybody's weaknesses on the team. Yeah. And the team has to use that information to its advantage, right? Specifically feedback and specifically addressing how it is the organization can get better is the most valuable information in the organization. And unfortunately, sending and receiving that information is just more challenging than it is to pat each other on the butt. Yeah. And so what we try to do is uh, architect organizations with unique levels of trust and willingness such that we can recognize that feeling good all the time is not as important as getting better, right? We, the thing that we're trying to achieve is more important than only hearing positive feedback. Mm-hmm. And you like, what I'm saying? to compare that to fitness, to make an analogy, it's kind of like, all right, like I feel great today, going to get a great pump in, you do, and then the next day you feel like shit. It's like I got to work out, but I'm not really feeling it right now. Like you don't feel great, but you still got to do it in order to accomplish the main goal. Yeah, and even to like make that analogy even more direct, it's like training is an act in dancing around that which we can't do. Yeah. You know, it's it's a it's around the edges in which we drive adaptation. You know, like you cannot go into a gym and remove the stressors of what is outside of your ability and pretend that you will be different after that. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so in terms of conscious development, uh, we need this sort of disconfirming information. Now, uh, a lot of human cards are stacked against that. You know what I mean? If it, if you're at a workplace that it just doesn't feel worth it to give or receive gnarly feedback, you just won't. Yeah. You know, and so uh, luckily we're in a business where people desperately want to be better than they were yesterday. And so that's our focus. Which is an awesome environment to be around because, again, like if you can't take that feedback, that constructive criticism per se, like where are, we, where are you ever going to go, right? Like I feel like you got to have that stingy feeling. You got to get knocked down every once in a while in order to grow. So, like, I, I personally, I understand it. Like, if you get yelled at, it stings. But at the same time, like, if you're not receiving truthful and honest feedback on what you're doing, you're not going to grow. If everybody's just telling you you're doing a great job, you're just going to assume you're doing a great job. When people tell me I do a great job, I just assume the opposite and they're just lying to me. Yeah, or, like, that you could say thanks, but, like, there's nothing about that that is going to inform how you will do this better next time. Yeah. Which is really what you care about. Right. And, and it, I would hope it's what you care about if you want to be great. Right. And that, and that, that's sort of it. I mean, there are some folks who may be listening and you say like, yeah, I mean, I guess in theory, but like, geez guys. And uh, right. to which I would say, Hey, um, everyone that works with you, everyone that works with you, has feedback for you. And if you're in, an, in a situation where that is not 
facilitated to share or you're not curious about that, you can just, I guess, live with the fact that they have it for you and they're not giving it to you, which is maybe the only worse feeling than getting it. And that's how you become more motivated to get better, right? Whether you take that as like, okay, like that's truthful and honest feedback, I need to grow. Or if you take that in a way like, I personally don't feel that way. And then you just get angry on the inside and it motivates you in that sense. You know, like you're getting better one way or another. You know, like, do you feel like when people are in that mindset of, you know, like they have a specific plan, whether it be just a normal plan or like say a workout plan, fitness goals that they have, and they're accomplishing their goals, like their brain opens up to more things, like they gain more knowledge on things. Like I personally feel like my best ideas come from when I'm working out, you know? Like that's probably why I started this. I'm like, ah, I should do a podcast while I was doing like back or like lat phrases or something, you know? Like you, you, I feel yeah. like you have to, you know, be opened up and like be going through something that's more disciplining and more um, hard in order to open up your brain to certain things. If yeah, that makes any sense. Part of that is, yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think part of that is uh, associated with how the central nervous system works and it's everybody's favorite a word that i like to say but it's uh we need a certain level of arousal right to bring out that type of curiosity creativity and drive right and so our system needs to sort of ramp up into those areas that mobilize us that move us you know and training can be one of those ways but um Earlier, we were talking about those two camps of the high schoolers. There's a downward spiral action, a lack of creative arousal in complaining and just ruminating, right? Or the opposite of that, like you're saying, like training or being exposed to people people or ideas or things that challenge us, uh, it invokes a certain level of arousal that begets more action, you know? And you have to find those inspirations, too. Like, I remember, I think it was the Kyle Kingsbury podcast where you were talking about, you know, hitting, like, a really clutch home run in the NCAA tournament in college, one of your later years in college. And you kind of, you know, not necessarily, like, pictured it in your mind, but, like, everything slowed down in that moment. Like, you knew what pitch was coming, and it was just, like, kind of, like, not an out-of-body experience, but something that, like, you knew almost that it was going to happen, and it was just a surreal moment. And I guess you could probably explain it better, but what was that situation like in that sense of kind of visualizing something that would happen and then it manifested and, you know, like that was probably one of the coolest moments ever? Yeah, that was a true embodiment of what the literature calls flow, which is like being in the zone. And there are some attributes about those moments that you described. There's a time-altering effect, it's, our, it's where our greatest performances happen. Basically, our hardest work feels effortless. Uh, and there are certain environments that uh, set the stage for that really well. And it's essentially, you can graph this out. Uh, one axis could represent your level of preparation, mm-hmm. while the other axis represents the level of challenge. And this is all based on our level of arousal, right? So if I am a world-class, if I'm Floyd Mayweather, to use that example, and I am boxing a nine-year-old, it's just I'm too good for the environment to the point where I almost don't care. That I'm just bored, Yep. right? Meanwhile, like if I'm me, Logan, uh, don't know how to 
even punch with my left hand in a boxing ring with Floyd Mayweather. I am completely, the anxiety is prevented, preventing me from doing anything. It's just, I'm so, uh, the challenge is so high and I'm so unprepared that there's nothing that would elicit flow in this environment. Right. But if I spent 20 years of placing a batting tee on the outside part of the plate, low and away, to train hitting the inside part of the baseball for the specific fact that the most common utilized pitch in baseball is the fastball away from the hitter, that 20 years later I can be in the biggest at-bat of my life in the biggest situation in the history of my university hunting that pitch, there is a great degree of challenge and there is a massive logging of preparation for that moment to where when it becomes realized to get that pitch and to be able to execute on something that I had been practicing since I was seven years old yeah. in my backyard time stops and it is pure bliss on earth. And that is a feeling that I believe is worth pursuing be not just in and of its own self, but for the cascade of effects that it sort of elicits. I mean, it's no, I mean, to me, I don't know where I'm at with like religion or whatever, but it is a hell of a coincidence that at the intersection of our greatest challenge and our greatest, highest expression of work is this feeling that feels like nirvana. Yeah. Wow. What a coincidence, right? And, if, and then, so in my opinion, the pursuit of flow, which is a thing you can never hold on to, the moment that you realize you're in it, it goes away. So now it's a cat and mouse game. What do you do? You need a greater challenge, and then you need to prepare for it more. Then you need a greater challenge. Then you need to prepare for it more. It never ends, and it yields so much positivity in the world. What a coincidence. And to me, that's the meaning of life. How many experiences like that have you had? Because, again, that's years of preparation, years of hard work, years of discipline, and it all culminates, like, I know what pitch is coming because I've been in this situation, not in that exact situation, but, like, I've done this millions of times over. I've done the repetition. I've, I've been at, at practice, batting practice, whatever you're doing, you know, and you finally get to that point where it's like, I know what I'm doing. Everything slows down. You have all of these different thoughts coming at you in literally half a second, and then it turns out to be, again, probably one of the greatest moments of your career. I've never experienced anything like that. That's unbelievable. And it's so profound that... It informs, it informs me like every day. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like this is, this is what I, what I mean. And this is partly, and the book isn't a, a book about athletics. It's just, that's my experience. And so if you can understand the dynamics of the peak human experience, which is flow and the environments that yield those experiences, I think anything worth learning in life is sort of along the road towards that thing. Uh, I mean, I run several businesses that have nothing to do with that. And, and I, I'm just, I walk around with that experience every day and it has nothing to do with like a rah, rah baseball. Yeah. Thing. You see what I'm saying? So like you kind of just, 
again, over time with your experiences, you have other interests, obviously, that spark you, and you're able to take those skills that you've honed over the years, whether it be in baseball or something else, and use it to that advantage. Kind of like how you're talking about, you know, I was saying, you know, Kobe Bryant isn't going to take, you know, most of the stuff that Taylor Swift does to be the best, but, like, there's similar traits, you know? Like, you can use what you did in baseball to, you know, spark a business or to use that in order to grow a business that has nothing to do with what you actually did the first 20 years of your life. A hundred percent. And that is the point, you know, and, and that, that's the responsibility on one hand. And then on the other hand, on the other side of the same coin is, um, the opportunity inside of, it doesn't matter what it is. You know, it really doesn't, you know, like you could run the the experiment of, um, you know, like this isn't the perfect example and not everybody like necessarily loves the guy, but I really appreciate, um, Tim Ferriss, you know, he, uh, he was trying to figure out whether to like invest and I forget maybe it was like an Uber thing or Twitter or something like that. And he was like, he got a little bit of money after writing the four hour work week and he researched how much Stanford business school was. And he just took that sum of money and became an early investor in one of these tech companies. And he said, well, I would spend this going to Stanford anyway. It has the upside of doing really well and I can make a bunch of money, but at worst, I would learn all of the lessons of business at the same degree or better than I would being in a theoretical environment, Yeah, you know? And so we just need the environment to reflect back to us our own development, you know? Like when you do something hard, it, sh- it shows you what you need because <laughs> failure happens. Yep. And once you, again, kind of climb that, mountain per se you're like i can do this you know like whenever you go back and do hard times which they always eventually come back in one form or another whether it be big or small like you know you could handle it because you've been through it in a former fashion before 100 percent. and anybody who's done anything like of a certain caliber i think finds some solace in knowing that it never works out the way that you want. You know what I mean? Like the joke I say a lot is like, I've never accomplished any of my goals, you know? And there are some people who like maybe look to me in a certain way, like in my little bubbles, you know, they're like, Oh, you've done this thing or whatever. And it's like, no, I've actually not one of my goals has worked out. Yep. They've worked out differently and I've got a lot of great things to show for them. And I'm very grateful. But, like, let's be clear, none of them have worked. And I feel incredibly fortunate and successful despite that fact. It's not exactly how you thought it was going to turn out, but looking back on it, like, you probably wouldn't want it any other way. Like, this is what you were supposed to do. Like, this is your legacy. That's it. So where can we uh, find the book? Again, I don't want to take too much of your time, but I do want to I want yeah, to plug no the book. Where can we find the book? Where we can find the gym, too, and everything you got going on there? Yeah, the book, Going Right, it's on uh, Amazon. Uh, it's also available on audiobook if you're into that kind of thing. Um, the gyms are all housed under the website deucegym.com, D-E-U-C-E, gym.com. And um, I recently started an audio docuseries of podcast that's a highly produced short form podcast it's kind of like 
uh, NPR meets, I don't know, Joe Rogan. Interesting. Um, and uh, it's called the Hold the Standard podcast. Okay. Wow. And we can find that on all platforms, I'm assuming? All platforms, yeah. That's it's how very you do bingeable. It, Let's say that. That's how you do it. I'm looking forward to listening to that then. But uh, again, yeah. I don't want to take too much of your time. Logan, thanks so much for taking the time, man. I know you're busy. Thank I'll you. let you get back to it. Again, this was episode 392 of the podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're on all platforms, including StarWorldWideNetworks.com. And again, we are presented by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness in Scottsdale, Arizona. This was The O Show. Thanks for watching. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.